You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. We're going to pick up again. Uh, We've been in this series for several weeks, uh, talking about the Holy Spirit and talking about His ministry to us. I don't have a lot of time for review today, but we're talking about two aspects of his ministry, that part of his ministry that Jesus called, illustrated with a well, a well with a spring in it. So that's his, um, not a a physical spring that shoots the well up above, but a spring of water. Anyway, he, he defined it that way for us. That is the part we're talking about right now is the Holy Spirit's ministry to us, essentially. It comes into us at the new birth and begun, begins to change our lives and minister on the inside of us and bring things to us. And right now, specifically, we're talking about guidance from the Holy Spirit. We're talking about learning how. I'll just give you these, uh, these things real quick again. We're talking about learning how to do what Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says. Walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to, controlled and guided by the Spirit. All right? All of us have to learn. Some of you probably got this at home because you had a really great home and great parents. Most of us had to learn after coming to the Lord how to discern what he's saying to us and how to be led by the Holy Spirit. And his leading is very specific, and and he speaks to us in a number of ways. And there are other ways that we've kind of um, developed a, a poor theology around that we uh, that God doesn't use, but people believe that God uses to to speak to us. So we've just been uh, looking at how can we grow in this learning to be led and guided on a daily basis by the Holy Spirit. I think I said this to you last week, but. Uh, this this word walking wherever wherever we find it in the scripture, it means to live every aspect of your life within something, and in this case, it's within the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That we are what he's talking about is is learning how to live all of our life, not just the parts of our life that we might consider more inherently spiritual, but all of our life, our work life, our family life, relational life shopping life, driving the car life, you know, everything that we do to live that life with an awareness of the presence of God and what he's communicating to us and a responsiveness to that. And so there's a real juggling of um, priorities there to prioritize and enthrone what he is saying above all the other voices that all of us hear. You all hear voices right now. Uh, through, you know, in all our life, there are all kinds of voices speaking into your life. And we want to learn how to prioritize what he's saying to us and live within that. I've found over the years that there are times, like if I'm in my prayer time, one of the things that I do, and I think we talked about this in men's group recently, but one of the things I do is, is I try to have something there to write on. I mean, these days it's my iPad, but I always took a pad. I mean, it's, there's, it gives you the ability to journal what God is saying to you, which is a really good thing to do. But also, as you get into your prayer time, a lot of times your mind starts to go different ways. 
And I used to think that anything that wasn't specifically about the scripture or, you know, what I was talking to God about, that 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 was something I shouldn't be thinking about in my prayer time. So there are distractions that come in to our times with God. And one thing that really works well is to write, write them down. And what it'll do is it'll tell your brain, we'll think about this later. And so your brain can shut up and let you focus on God. So there is that aspect to that where distractions come in. Something about, oh, I got to remember to do this today. Well, write it down and leave it, okay? And focus back in on God. At the same time, I used to think that anything that came in during that time that wasn't specifically focused on the Lord was a distraction. Well, I've learned since then that many times God will speak to you about something really practical during your time. And so I not very long ago, uh, I was in my morning time and this thought just popped in. Uh, I wasn't thinking about this at all that, remember, you need to fix the leak in the kitchen sink, which I still haven't done, the kitchen faucet. <laughs> so, you know, there's a whole obedience thing that goes with this. But But I mean, about as practical as you could get, but that was the Lord just reminding me about something in my everyday practical life. We think all he wants to talk to us about are the big ideas in the scripture, and he does want to impart those to us, but he will also talk to you. We're we're walking every aspect of our life in the spirit. It's amazing the things, if you care about it, he cares about it. And I think sometimes we think, well, he doesn't have time for that. Well, apparently he does, because he's able to do that, and he does do that. So it's good to have that way to write things down, but then you have to kind of discern. Some of those are are not so much um, distractions as they are something the Lord's just reminding you of to make your life better. You know, our our life will be better when the kitchen faucet stops leaking. So, uh, so let's go back. We're just going to, we started talking. Well, let me back up. I just can't do this out of order. Um, Two weeks ago, I gave you four heart attitudes to carry, and we're just going to read through them. I'm going to try real hard not to preach on them, all right? But these are foundational heart attitudes that help us to discern the voice of God. So the first one was, you got to choose to believe what Jesus said about you in John 10, that you can hear his voice, okay? You can, you are his sheep, you hear and recognize his voice, and the voice of a stranger you won't follow, all right? accept that. Jesus said it. It's the truth. Accept that. All right. Secondly, intentionally develop your awareness of the presence and voice of the, of the Lord. Just, just practice being more attentive to his instruction, his counsel, things he might want to point out to you or say to you during the day. And that's just something we all just need to practice. Okay. Third was establish your heart in the basic truth that God is good and he has the best plan for your life. All right, it's really hard to trust someone when you don't know they have your back, they have, they have the best for you. All right, so when you build that into your heart, God's good. If he's saying it to me, it's for my good. Even if it challenges me or redirects me or tells me not to go a direction I want to go, he's good. And he's got the very best plan for my life. And fourth, Always maintain a teachable spirit, a teachable, sensitive heart, which means when we, when you, we hear the Lord, 
and we discern his voice, we're not going to harden our hearts to him. We're not going to, uh, we're not going to resist what he's saying. We're open. We come to him open. We come open to correction. We come open to, dis- to uh, instruction. We come open to all these things. Why? Because he's good. And he has the very best plan for our lives. That makes sense to you? So we talked about those. And then we started talking about ways, specific ways that God speaks to us. And last week, uh, we talked about leading by the word of God. And we said that the written word of God must be the foundation for every form of guidance that comes into your life. Whether that is something you believe the Lord is saying to you, well, that needs to line up with the scripture and the nature of God as we see in Jesus, because those two are identical, okay? God never says something to us that violates that violates his word. I like this statement. Uh, I didn't make it up, but God will never violate his word but he has no problem violating our misinterpretation of his word, okay? So there's that, all right? But he's not going to violate his word or the nature of the of God that we see in Jesus Christ, all right? So if we receive a personal prophecy or we feel like the Lord's saying something to us or uh, feel like we're getting something, and I don't care how f- famous the person is or whatever that might be speaking something into your life and it doesn't line up with the word, just set it aside. You don't have to get scared or mad or anything. Just set it aside. If it doesn't line up with the word, I'm not going with it, period. I'm, you know, it, it's God's not, I just know right away, well, that's, that's not God, all right? So we talked about that. We said that we need to enthrone God's thoughts in our heart, which means give them authority, all right? And dethrone every other thought especially contradictory thoughts to what the scripture says. All right, so, so if we're going to use the scripture as our foundation for what God is saying, and we're going to measure anything else that we think God's saying against it, then we have to be in the word. That's the first thing. We have to be in the word. We need to read it. We need to hear it. We need to study it. We need to meditate it. We need to be in the word. All right. And then we need to take that attitude that what I see in the scripture, that I I enthrone that in my heart. This is God's word. I take him at his word and I make that the final authority. I'm not going to argue with the word. I'm not going to we we're really good at self-justification. We're amazing at self-justification. And we can think our way out of all kinds of things that are very clear in the word. And we can decide that, well, our, our passions are more important. Our emotions are more important. Well, the way I grew up is more important. The way my family did it is more important. All kinds of ways that we can justify living contrary to the word of God. If you do that, it's going to make it a lot harder for you to hear the voice of God because you're hardening your heart toward the Lord. You're resisting what he's saying. So we just want to be real attentive when we're in the word. What is the spirit highlighting to me? I'm going to highlight that. What is he saying to me? I'm going to, I'm going to put that on, on the throne. Does that make sense to you? All right, so let's see if we can get through another one or two of these today. The second one is 
being led by the inward witness. All right, we touched on this last week. We didn't get very far into it. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 16, one place that we see this, okay, probably one of the most clear places. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God or the adult children of God that are participating with him in his business on earth. That's what the word sons means. For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received a spirit of adoption. That passage, that sentence right there, gives us the the, the atmosphere in which God speaks to us. He, he, we did not receive a spirit of bondage to fear. That means God is not behind us, driving us with a whip. He is not there forcing us into a corner. It's not his nature. We received a spirit of sonship, adoption. And that word adoption speaks of a process where, you know, we, we know about adoption, but in, in, in the Greek and, and in that culture, it meant bringing somebody into the family and giving them the exact same privileges and responsibility as a natural born son. So it's a big deal. All right, that's the spirit. That's the way that the Lord addresses. That's the framework in which God addresses us. And it says the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So I think one secondarily to the word of God, my opinion is that the inward witness is probably the primary way that the Lord speaks to us. Again, that that term, inward witness, that term witness, it speaks of two voices in a court of law, two witnesses in a court of law saying the same thing. They are pointing to the same truth and establishing truth by that agreement, okay? And in our lives, what that is, is you have a born-again spirit on the inside of you, your human spirit, and you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. And when the Lord is directing us, there will be this inward sense of agreement between those two. And that's exactly what it is. This is not a sentence. This is not a paragraph. This is not a prophecy. This is a bearing witness that happens in your own heart. It's a sense of knowing that may completely contradict, or may not, but it may completely contradict your interpretation of events. But on the inside in your heart, you know this is the truth, or this is the way God wants me to go, or this is the way God does not want me to go. And so we come up with all kinds of terms for this, like, you know, God gave me a red flag, you know, and, and it's all, or a green light and a red light. You know, that's all fine. It's something that we sense in our hearts. It is an inward knowing, and you just know. And and it's not, the inward witness is a directive nudge, an impression from the Holy Spirit. It's not the whole story. It's It's easy for us, because God has given us a lot of autonomy, it's easy for us to override the inward witness with our own thoughts, our own emotions, our own choices. God is not, he's not driving you. You didn't receive a spirit of fear into bondage, okay? He's not chaining you up. 
and making you go this way. He's impressing upon you the way you should choose. Does that make sense? So it's, it's easy for us. And especially if we're not used to listening to this, it's easy for us to choose a different way and go that way. And, and you know, God won't send somebody. He may send confirmation to you from others. I'm not saying God's very faithful about leading us. But if you choose to go a different way, you know, God, God's not in the business of striking you dead or, you know, breaking your leg or any of that stuff. We have to choose to submit our thoughts and our emotions and those things to what the Spirit of God says in his word and that inward witness. Just, just this example of his, him saying, you are my child and I'm inviting you to participate with me in life. I'm not just hurting you. I'm not just you know, cornering you with your circumstances. I, I, I'm, I am, I'm wanting a personal, relational partnership with you, which is what this, you know, you're a child of God. That's what that means. Well, that comes, there's, a, there's an agreement in our hearts. Even if we don't feel like that, even if we've never thought of ourselves that way, there's something on the inside of us that says, yes. And we've just seen this, you know, over... So, you know, this is not just an emotion. It's not, um, but it is a sense on the inside of you. And again, I want to just talk about this again. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. In fact, let's just turn there real quickly, especially if you have an amplified Bible. Just turn there quickly. I know I've, this is one of, I think one of the important, really important scriptures, uh, and so I know we look at it quite a bit. Colossians 3.15, and I think the Amplified Bible kept, captures it really well. It says, let the peace, soul, harmony. Again, two voices making harmony, right? Let the, let the peace from Christ rule or act as an umpire continually in your hearts, set, deciding and settling with finality all the questions that arise in your minds. All right, so that is such a great, that's exactly the way that feels. I can have all kinds of questions going on in my mind, but there's this peace down in my heart to me. And again, this is just maybe, you know, this is my experience. This isn't what the scripture says. To me, the peace of God in these situations where we're trying to make a decision and there are lots of different avenues and lots of different voices and lots of different, you know, people saying what we should do. And and my brain is going, well, what if this and what if that? And if we did this, then that would happen and that would happen and that would happen, which honestly, we never know that. But anyway, that's what our brains do. Underneath that is the only way I can describe it. As I get with the Lord and I get my focus on him and I get my mind to quiet down for a bit, underneath that, there's a foundational piece. There's a foundational piece in my heart, a knowing this is the way I've directed, okay? That doesn't stop. It says, let that peace settle with finality. All the questions that arise in your mind. Your mind's still going to throw questions, but you have, to, you have a will. You can decide to choose. Now, 
this is the direction we're going. And then what I do personally is I check it along the way, you know? And uh, so God, is this still really the way we're supposed to be going? And as long as that piece is there, that's the direction we go. I, I think that is just a, one of the primary ways that the Lord leads us in life, okay? Let me give you two quick examples of this. I believe these are examples of the inward witness. One of them is found over in Acts chapter 3, okay, verses 4 and 5. This is where Peter and John were going up to the temple and and they were passing uh, a person who was he was crippled there. He, he uh, was there every day receiving alms. Well, they went by him every day. Every day they walked by this guy. Who knows how many times they had interacted and, and walked past this person. But in this case, they walked by and it says, fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said. So the idea is they're walking by a situation they've walked by a hundred times and something draws their attention to the point where they fix their attention on this person. It doesn't say God spoke to them. It doesn't, and, and they went ahead and said to him, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive from something from them. We know that uh, they brought healing to him. That term, fixing his eyes, Peter fixing his eyes, literally means his attention was suddenly captured by this person. His attention was suddenly captured. You've probably had this happen in one way or another. You're going along and, and all of a sudden, a situation or a person or something captures your attention and it comes from in here. It isn't just because something weird is happening. It's, it's, it might be because something weird is happening, but, but it's because you can tell it's God. You, why? Because my sheep hear my voice. So you can, you can tell God is pulling your attention to something. This is something I have to pray a lot because I can get just my personality, I can get busy, I go in, go into city market, get shopping, get doing some whatever, and I don't, and I just confess this to you, I don't even notice the people around me. And I want to, I want to be open to ministering to somebody that needs ministry, that needs prayer, Maybe for me to go up and, and minister to them or maybe just for me to pray across the aisle. But I want to be more sensitive to that. And I believe a lot of that happens through the window, the inward witness. Suddenly our, our, we're just captured. Our attention is captured by something. I think that's a part of what happens uh, with the inward witness. And that led them obeying that nudge from the Holy Spirit led to the working of miracles and the gift of healing flowing into this person's life. So this is, this is pretty important stuff. The second one that I'll give you, and again, I just believe that what was happening here is a description of the inward witness, is in Luke 24, verses 31 through 32. And this is this story of these, these disciples walking down the road to Emmaus after the resurrection, and Jesus shows up. And they're talking about all the things that had happened and happened to, to Jesus and all of this. And they don't recognize that it's Jesus. And he starts opening the scriptures to them. 
and, and telling them all these things. And they finally get where they're going and, and they invite him to stay. And he sits down to the meal and he breaks the bread at that meal. And when, when he breaks the bread, they suddenly recognize who he is. And then he disappears. I think he just likes to do this stuff. And then, so, th- so then he disappears out of their midst. But their next statement was, it says, their, their, uh, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. He disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? This was a new experience for them because Jesus had just been raised from the dead. They had just, I don't think we know what that was like to come from the old covenant to the new, to be born again, to have the Holy Spirit come inside you when it wasn't the norm. And they're learning and they said, wow, you know what? Our hearts were burning as he was talking. I believe that's a picture of the inward witness. We just know. We just know it's an important part of the way that we are led. Does this make sense to you? All right, we'll, we'll look at this one. We probably won't get through all of this. The third one is being led by the inward voice or the voice of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so what we're talking about here, Jesus said, and this is just one example that you have on your screen. Whenever Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit and his ministry to us, he used these kinds of terms. It says, this is John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all the truth. So one of the places he leads us is into an, ex- an expanded understanding of the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Those, I don't think Jesus used those terms arbitrarily. He talks to us over and over about the Holy Spirit talking to us. Even in the Old Covenant, God spoke to people. We have evidence of an audible voice sometimes that people heard. We have other evidence of times where God spoke to someone. They heard him. Remember, um, Remember Samuel when he was when he was little with Eli? I probably have this down here somewhere. First Samuel three, four, and five. Remember that story? Samuel, of course, was being called to be a prophet. He was just a little kid. Went to live <clears throat> with Eli. And at night he heard God speaking to him and he ran to Eli. It was so audible to him that he thought Eli had said something to him. And Eli kept telling him, I haven't said anything. Go back to bed. You know, and and but pretty soon Eli realized that oh, the Lord's speaking to you. Go back and say, "Yes, Lord, here I am," and and he did, and God began to speak to him. But I mean, this was an inward voice, but it was words that were being communicated. This this was a sentence or or a paragraph, and so when the Lord speaks to us. I've heard it described different ways and I'll give you how it feels to me again. When I say that, you know, it may feel different to you, but um, this is often described as it's, it's a set of thoughts that some people will say light upon the heart, okay? I think that's a good description. I was thinking this morning because we have all these birds outside, you know, uh, the bird comes in and lights on a branch, 
That bird didn't grow out of the branch, just like these thoughts don't grow out of our logical train of thinking. These are thoughts, words, a sentence, you know, many times it's the scripture that are suddenly interjected into what we've been thinking about, our logical train of thought. So they so they come and we're thinking something through or we're talking to God about, and suddenly it's it's like somebody outside of you is speaking to you. Okay? And and so that thought comes in as a new thought. I didn't just get there by adding one and one is three, you know, which is usually what we come up with. Uh, I, you know, I didn't just get there in my logical deal. I was doing that or I was praying about something and suddenly this thought came. And when that thought came, it invariably brings peace. This is so interesting to me. God doesn't drive us with fear, okay? But sometimes what he says really challenges us and scares us. But that's not him doing that. And, and what will happen, I hope I can describe this, what will happen, he might speak something to us that's bigger than what we were thinking. And so that presents to us this challenge. We might get nervous on the inside, but underneath that nervousness, there's nervousness, there's that peace we were talking about. It'll bring peace. It'll bring joy. It won't bring condemnation. God's not in the condemnation business. We all know, or we've talked many times about the difference between conviction, which is a good thing. It's the Holy Spirit saying this behavior needs to change. And condemnation, which says it's not about your behavior. It's about your identity and you are worthless. That's condemnation. Okay. Doesn't bring condemnation. Doesn't bring shame. Doesn't bring any of those things that, again, are not held up by the word and not held up by the nature of God as we see in Jesus Christ. Okay, it's going to line up with that. For me, the way I've always said this is when I hear God speak, it feels like it bubbles up from the inside. I don't perceive it. It doesn't mean anything. I'm just trying to help you figure it out for you. I don't, I don't feel it so much as lighting upon my heart as it just rises up on the inside. And the Holy Spirit will often bring scripture. I've seen him, and I've told you this, but I've seen him bring scripture up on the inside of people who'd never read the scripture. They're born again. They've been born again like two minutes. And and already there were things rising up that they communicated to me and I could take them to the Bible and show it to them. And they'd never read the scripture in their life. It was the Holy Spirit bringing the scripture up, bringing the word of God up in that way. But sometimes it's another thought. Sometimes it's a direction. Sometimes it's a caution. Sometimes it's this or that. But it, it's, it gets interjected. It is not just the result of our logical flow. And I think for us Westerners, that's the biggest thing, is learning how. It doesn't mean you shouldn't use your intellect. Okay, I'm not saying that. But learning how to discern I might be going a direction and I just have that inward witness that says, don't worry about that. That's not going to happen. I, I might have, you know, the Lord speak something into my heart that stops that process or that accentuates that process, okay, that confirms that process. But for us to learn how to give attention to what God is saying is so important for us. I, I don't see how we can be 
led by the Spirit of God. We're not doing that. A, a lot of people describe this as, a, you know, it is. It's a divine flow. It's God's flow of thoughts. And what we need to do is learn how to tune into that and be listening to the Spirit, not just to the head. And I, and I just, I, I don't know how to explain that any, any better than that. But uh, again, and I'll wrap this up here. Um, the Bible talks to us about God speaking to us over and over and over and over. Jesus said in Matthew 7 that it's the man who hears what God is saying and does it that is building his house upon a solid foundation. And when the storms come and the winds come and all that, that house doesn't fall because it's built on that foundation of hearing and doing what God can say. So it tells us that we can hear what God is saying and we can make the choice not to do it, not to follow it up, not to follow it. We can hear it and choose to ignore it. That hardens our heart. We want to keep our heart tender, okay? Um, we can, we will hear, especially in this day and age, probably more than ever, we will hear, read, see, have thoughts presented to us, all kinds of things. There are all kinds of voices out there. You absolutely, you and I, need to discern the voice of God, first of all, and then the voices that are in agreement with, with what God is saying. And if it's not in agreement with God, we are not somehow, I mean, they've pushed this on us to make us feel guilty if we decide to not give place to some, some opinion that's out there, to not give place to it, to not consider it, to not change our life around it. We absolutely are supposed to not build our lives and change things around ungodly ideas. We absolutely are not supposed to do that. But we're so afraid somebody might call us closed-minded. Yes, my mind is closed to ungodly thoughts. Doesn't mean that it's closed to ungodly people, but I'm not going to take all this stuff in and build it in my heart and consider it and meditate on it and and do all this. It's not what my, that is, I am not the devil's garbage can. Anyway, so just let me give you these and then I'll, I'll quit here. First Timothy chapter four, you don't believe me? You, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. First Timothy 4.1 tells us, uh, Paul's writing here, he says, now the spirit expressly says, that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Okay, that word says, he expressly says, it means to speak definite words and connected thoughts. It's a discourse. The spirit says. He speaks definite words, connected thoughts, a discourse, a paragraph. He talks to us. Expressly means he speaks distinctly as opposed to vaguely. All right? So Jesus told us the Spirit speaks to us. We, we see many places in the Scripture uh, where the, the Spirit speaks to us. And again, I'll just wrap it with this. So many times when we are confronted with a, a worldly idea, a worldly philosophy, something, somebody's pattern that they believe, but it's not, it's not according to the Scripture, it's not, according, it's not godly, when that happens so often, this protective voice, whether it's that inward witness or that 
or that inward voice, so many times the scripture will rise up on the inside of us or light upon your heart. But the scripture will come and it, and it just becomes that shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You know, we, we, faith comes from hearing God speak, right? It's what the Bible tells us. And so, so many times when we're confronted by things, the Spirit of God at that moment will put something on your heart. The key is to listen to it, acknowledge it, and, and enthrone it in your heart. That I will live by what the Lord is saying. And I'm not saying, you know, we grow in this. I understand that we're not always confident. We get confused because, well, gee, it seemed like me. That's because it's coming from inside you. And oftentimes it does feel that way. But here's the deal. I'm getting a little ahead of myself now. But here's the deal. This is the only one I'll give you. Does that thing that came up, who does it exalt, first of all? Well, that's just me. Well, does it exalt you? Or does it exalt Jesus? Okay, that's a good indicator right there. Line up, does it just feed my ego? Does it just feed my desires? Or is it coming sort of from the outside, from, from the outside inside, okay, and lighting upon my heart, and it lines up with who he is, and it brings a peace to my spirit. Even if it is going to be really tough, it brings peace. All right, I got to quit. All right, did you get anything out of this today? Let's stand up and pray together. Boy, it's going to be a long series. <laughs> Don't let that keep you away. All right. Thank you, Father. God, I am so grateful. We are so grateful that you're so personal with us. Lord, you designed us this way. You designed us to hear you and know you. And, and Father, for most of us, I think, again, as Westerners, Lord, this is kind of foreign and we've been, some of us have been practicing it for a long time and, and, and we're better at it than we were 20 years ago. But God, all of us, this is a work in progress and, and we thank you so much for your faithfulness to teach us and train us and to teach us, Lord, in small things, how to hear and know that it was you before we have to make a life and death decision. We're just so grateful that you teach us and train us and we invite that teaching and training into our lives. We invite you, Lord, speak to us by your spirit. Impress us with the inward witness. Direct us through your word. Highlight, Holy Spirit, as we're in the word, just bring it alive to us. Just show us the parts that we're supposed to be meditating on right now at this point in our lives. We're so grateful for all of that. We're so grateful that this is not just a religion that we have to follow, Lord. It is a very personal, interactive relationship with you. We're so grateful. And Father, as we go out into this world, Lord, into each of our worlds, Lord, you've given us people to minister to, to serve with your life. And Father, we know a part of that comes through you speaking things to our hearts that we can give to them. And so we open ourselves to that. And we ask for your leading this week, Lord. We thank you that you are transforming this world around us. Father, that the kingdom of God is growing in the Gunnison Basin. And the kingdom of darkness is diminished day by day. Thank you so much for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Now, if you need personal prayer for anything, please come up after we're dismissed. We're going to say this on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. It's a great declaration.
One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Go out there and be the church. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.